Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, we were just hanging out in person over the weekend. It was really nice to see you. Yeah, it was nice. It's been, it's been how long, dude? A year? Not a year. Uh, a year. Almost a year. Hunter's birthday. Hunter's birthday. So yeah, almost a year. September. Yeah, that's crazy, man. COVID makes sure makes time fly. That's for sure. But yeah, we, we hung out like it was like 12 dudes in, in the Tahoe countryside and all of us tested negative for COVID. And it was just oh, such a relief. It was just like back to reality. It reminded me of how good reality is and how long it's been since we've yeah, seen it. Yeah, pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there, there was some, definitely some, some crypto chatter amongst the, amongst the dudes. Um, definitely also de- highly motivated by the fact that two of them are like two crypto degenerates. Um, <laughs> but I, like other people our age are, are into crypto. That's, that's what's going on. Yeah, I think people are just into markets in general and crypto is a good market to be into. That's very true. Crypto is a very lively market, which I think is definitely going to be a crux of the conversation uh, today. Um, Christian, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about a bunch of things. The prices were mooning. Uh, Dave Portnoy got got into crypto and Link and Bitcoin. Uh, The Winklevi got onto his stream uh, and talk to him about asteroid mining, which was kind of, if you think about it, was toppy behavior. But that it just goes to show that when toppy behavior is happening, you don't like you're into it. Like you, you're not like, hmm, this is toppy. But since then, prices mm-hmm. have pretty much been going down, like as you should have expected. And um, yeah, we're at this point now where ether's once again under four hundred, and uh, Bitcoin is just over eleven thousand. Uh, so, you know, it quickly, how quickly the enthusiasm kind of dries away, but it's, uh, it's interesting to see. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is just kind of noise. Um, I mean, ether has like much more to retrace. And so like the peak of ether was like at $455 or something like that, 450. Now it's down to what? 380. I, you know what's you know what's toppy behavior is me buying a, a forty inch TV just to put up on my wall just to look at crypto prices. Um, you do that? Yeah, no, I, have, I, have, I can't spin my I can't spin my laptop around. Well, you you bought the TV at the top, which is I did the buy the top. TV at the local top. Um, so. so yeah, it was at four fifty, and now it's at three eighty five. Um, but like in the beginning of, of the 2017 bull market, like we saw ether go from like $50 to 450 down to 175. And like, I'm sure there was some toppy behavior going on in, at that, at that 450 mark back in 2017. And then everyone at like, when it crashed down to 175, I bet that was pretty brutal to, to witness. And then, uh, and then five months later it was at $1,400. So, like, well, I mean, I'm saying this is local tops, obviously. Yeah. Like, I'm not, this is why I don't trade. Behavior. Yeah, exactly. This is why I don't trade because I probably would have got wrecked. I probably would have gone long with Dave Portnoy going, getting into Bitcoin <laughs> and gotten wrecked. Uh, so, I very much think, like, if you're going to trade this market, and maybe this is a topic we're going to talk about later, but might as well talk about it now, is like, if you're going to trade this market, the number one thing you should do is dollar cost average into good shit. Like do that. The number two thing you can do is if you have an informational advantage is use that informational advantage and then be humble, accumulate when things are getting like a little interesting. Then when things get ridiculously frothy, start dollar cost averaging out. Like I think that's the way to do it. Like any short term stuff, you're just playing little games and you're going to get wrecked. That's my opinion. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, it, that's the safest zero loss way to invest. But I feel like if there's ever going to be a time to be aggressive, like now would be the time. And like at that same time, you have to commit to like losses. But also like in crypto, if you hit, if you say for imagine you bought, you got into, into crypto and you bought Ether, you bought, you put in $10,000 into Ether at $450, like pushed all your chips at the table. And now it's at 380. Like you're down, you're down big. Like historically, especially in bull runs, you just, you just hold, 
Like that's where the hold will mean come from. So you take the losses, you just don't do anything. And so then you like kick yourself in the butt for like getting too aggressive too fast. But like the, uh, you, what are equal losses are like, if you go too slow and dollar cost average over like six months while things like moon for six months, like you're also going to take losses because you didn't go all in. And so like, I, I feel like there is an, a, a t- time to be aggressive. And like, if we, and every, I keep hearing this everywhere. It's like, oh, we're on to this new bull market. Like the bull market is here. Like, you know, bull market's on next 18 months. Apparently there's a bull market coming. And if that's true, then it's time to be aggressive. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I don't, I'm not telling you how to buy. I, I, it's, for me, it's actually more important is how to sell. Because I think two mistakes people make when they sell is one, they sell all of it at once. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a really good decision. A lot of times it's a really bad decision. Um, and two is they don't sell it at all. And then they're caught holding a shitcoin bag. Uh, and yeah. that's why what's even more important than dollar cost averaging, which I think you should definitely do for Bitcoin. And if you're an ether bull, then that, that's probably what you should do for ether because you long-term value this thing. But, uh, you know, sure, whatever. You're going to buy a big bag of link. Who gives a shit? You're going to get on the train. But you better start fucking dollar cost selling that link as things get crazy. Like, hey, if it doubles, sell 5%. Like, just have a rule um, to enforce that you're taking some profits off of this thing and then just ride the roller coaster up and down. It's okay to do that with the good shit. And I I feel like that becomes more and more true the further down in the market cap stack you are like if you are if you are buying an illiquid shit coin like and it doubles then you need to then you need to sell but if you buy ethereum and it doubles you don't need to sell as much as you do that illiquid shit coin right like you can ride the ethereum wave harder and longer than than this like 50 million dollar market cap shit coin depends on what you value and your time preference right yeah yeah, I guess, I guess it there's like an axiom bit. around that. Yeah, and I guess when, when I speak about like invest, what, what is essentially investment advice, because everyone says that this isn't investment advice, and then they proceed to give investment. We're idiots. Advice. Yeah, we're idiots. <laughs> Don't listen um, to this. Like my, my attitude is like I actually don't ever plan on selling. Right, like ether is my money. That's my money, and so. Like I'm going to have ether when I'm 50. I'm going to have ether when I'm 80. My kids will inherit my ether. Like I'm going to live a bankless life in this bankless world, and I don't have to ever answer to like you know the the fiat regime. And so like using that frame of reference makes me speak in a specific way about my time preference of when I sell. And that's usually it's like well then I'm I'm just not selling. Granted, I probably will try and sell at the top. Um, so I do have to take that into account because like you're you be cost average. not to. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's why like, you're like, you got to decide like, what is enough ether in the long term for you to be eternally happy if your ultimate bull case works out? Mm -hmm. And then you just hodl that forever. And then everything else, like, you know, make some life changing fiat. Like, that's not a bad thing, especially in the next one run. Just you got as long as you ensure that your long term plan is not at risk with any Mm -hmm. sort of gambling, then who cares? Yeah. For me personally, I just don't want a lot of shit. Like, I don't really want a big house. I, I want a, a cyber truck and a mountain bike, and that's about it. <laughs> Says the guy who just bought a 40-inch TV to watch the Ether first. <laughs> it, was, it was $100. It was, Lifestyle <laughs> creep is real. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Lifestyle creep is definitely real, that's for sure. All right, what uh, other topics we, do we got here? Okay, do we, do we want to go to Bitcoin mining hash rate or yeah, stocks? Let, or Okay, let's do that. Well, yeah, let's just talk because I think this is important to talk about Right now, lots of flooding is happening in the Shezhuan region of China. And uh, there's a lot of miners there because that area typically has cheap hydropower. Uh, And Mm. last week, Bitcoin hash rate went up 3%. And then in the next difficulty adjustment, because of flooding, it looks as though hash rate has dropped off considerably. And we're looking at a negative 10% difficulty adjustment. Uh, So it's just interesting, like... Yeah, so like big hit to miners in China and you can see Chinese focused mining pools also like reflected that hit in their reported hash rate. That is crazy. That that, yeah. that doesn't mean that 10% of the hash rate dropped off the network, did it? 
Well, so, I mean, it has rebounded a little bit since then. Um, the people suspect that like S9s elsewhere got turned on, um, essentially as, uh, diff- you know, as uh, blocks started coming on slow. Um, but I mean, that's ultimately, that's kind of a proxy for, yeah, if it, 10%, if difficulty adjustment goes down 10%, that means 10% of the hashing power took a hit. That's bad. Somebody just took it up the butt recently. That sucks yeah. for who, who owns all of that stuff. That's really interesting though. So like that's 10% of all Bitcoin hash rate, but it all came out of one region in China, which means what China lost 30%. I don't know. I don't know how to scale up those numbers, but China disproportionately yeah. lost. China lost basically China lost big time. And I mean, I, I think like there's a lot of different ways that you can take this news. Like it's like, Oh, this shows how centralized mining was in China. But I think everyone already knew it was that centralized and shows Sejuan. Like we knew there was a lot there. Um, but I would say like, this just shows how like any present time centralization is not necessarily inherent to the protocol, right? Like there's nothing about the Bitcoin, um, proof of work that says mining must be centralized in, in, uh, in China. Like really the centralization factor is resources and supply chains. Those are the real, uh, centralization factors, but, um, you know, 20% of Chinese hash rate potentially went offline like that, um, you know, with, with just, you know, one major storm. So uh, the, the balance of power and mining can change pretty quickly. Right. So, so assuming that the place that lost all that hash rate was like one of the most centralized places of hash rate in the world, that makes hash rate more decentralized, right? On a percentage or do, basis. Or, yeah. Or does it just centralize it in a different spot? Well, I would just think of like a a epicenter of hash rate just got smaller in conjunction to everything else. It, like the difficulty adjustment in Bitcoin ensures that the people that didn't lose went, continue to win. Right. If that makes sense. It makes right. losers lose faster and, mm-hmm. and, and the winners gains kind of magnified because after the losers lose, the difficulty goes down. Right. So... Right. Um, I would say that geographically, it definitely kind of shifted the power away from that region. If that is really what happened, like really, there's a lot of confusion, not a whole lot of amazing information. But you know, that by looking at that raw proxy number, um, you know, that's kind of the story that's being told. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we could probably write this story to be in stark contrast of, uh, I, I can't remember what happened, but there were some scammers who uh, stole a, a bunch like some Ponzi scheme scammers from some Chinese like entity that took got like a lot of ether. Like, I think it was like 800,000 token. I don't think it was plus token, but of that nature, it could have been yeah. like for, for the purposes of, of, the, of this conversation, it might as well be plus token. Uh, and then it got seized by the Chinese government, right? And so the Chinese government currently has like 800,000 ether. And the total supply of Ether is like 140 million, 120 million, something like that. So like not a small chunk, like less than a percent, but like almost a whole percent, like 0.6 of a percent. And when it comes to like proof of stake, proof of stake, like flooding in Sejuan isn't coming to destroy that Ether, right? Like the Chinese government has that Ether. And I don't like the Chinese government having Ether. Like that doesn't fit my personal view. view of the world i'd rather they not have ether uh, i'd rather everyone else have it but uh turns out now the chinese government has ether and no one's ever coming to destroy that ether so it's like it's like it's bad because then then you know some centralized entity of power is never going to be able to have that power revoked from them but also kind of bullish for that for those same reasons right do you take that 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 take I would say that it's inevitable and nation, if you want your thing to be taken seriously, nation states are and eventually going to be start playing. Um, yeah. So, uh, and that is just a trade off for proof of stake is that when you have coins, that's the valid, that's the verification and I guess seniorage method uh, within the system. Whereas with Bitcoin, it's, mm-hmm. it's ASICs and energy. So, I mean, all yeah, those things have trade offs. I've always liked how like the seniorage part of the network, the equity part of the network, where like I consider ASICs like the equity of the network kind of, um, 
there's plenty of problems with that that metaphor but yeah it is the physical equity of the network it's that is the physical part of the network if you think about it it's the asics and and the the other nodes right i've always enjoyed that ethereum's equity is like not tangible right like it is just like bitcoin the btc the asset just like btc ether ether's asics are also like internet and digital i've always enjoyed that fact yeah, I mean, there, I think, again, there's a lot of ways to have opinions on that. Like, there's mm-hmm. ways to spin it why it's bad. There's ways to spin it why it's good. Uh, and again, proof of work makes Bitcoin kind of like physical almost, mm-hmm. which uh, is nice. And maybe mm-hmm. that's like the fact that there is a proof of work asset like Bitcoin that's there. Maybe that creates the foundation that allows proof of stake assets and other kinds of assets to be a thing. Like, it's too early to really tell that. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, it's too difficult to tell like how the value distribution is going to be. But who knows? A lot of people think that proof of work and Bitcoin are going to fail. I've I've been seeing a lot of FUD out there. I don't understand how people think that. Like what? No way. So why don't you think that? Why don't I think proof of work? Why do I think proof of work is going to work? Yeah, as well as Bitcoin hard cap. I don't think you, I think you are skeptical on that. I'm I, proof of work is absolutely going to work. I believe in proof of work more than I believe in the Bitcoin hard cap. I don't necessarily not believe in the Bitcoin hard cap. I do understand that like when there isn't a subsidy, things can get unstable and wacky and there can be much stronger incentives to do like small scale rollbacks just of one, one, three, five blocks. Um, I don't think Ethereum I think Bitcoin doesn't have that problem nearly as much as Ethereum does because like in DeFi, you can make like these, these transactions, one single transaction on Ethereum that is worth like, you know, 10 times the subsidy, right? So like the, some people can be running off with a DeFi arbitrage opportunity that is worth like 10 Ether and that subsidies, the subsidy for that one block is only worth two Ether. And so there are some miners that are, it's called, it's called a miner extractable value. And so miners in Ethereum, because the fee is larger than the subsidy, they have the opportunity to like roll back the chain to claim that fee for themselves. And that's like unstable. But, and, that, and that's why I'm, I, when I see Bitcoin without a subsidy, I'm like, ooh, that's scary. Like there's no real big shield. But then also there's not DeFi on Bitcoin, right? So there's not ever going to be like these massive like opportunities to really roll back the chain more than more than a few blocks. Um, but to, to answer your question as to like, why do I, why do I feel good about proof of work? Is like, I feel like the onus is on whoever says that proof of work is going to fail. Like it's been working just fine so far. Like, like we, the subsidy is running out, but like it's not going to run out for, it doesn't actually ever run out. It just gets smaller. And so, like, really, it, Bitcoin needs to stop going up in price year after year after year uh, for, for us to really start to be, like, concerned about proof of work. Yeah, I would say that is the most fair take on Bitcoin proof of work I've heard from uh, someone with your general position, by far. That, that it, it has been working and it shall continue to work? As well as acknowledging that if price continues, like, the amount of buying power of the subsidy is directly associated with what the price is. So even if the subsidy is like BTC denominated way lower, if price is significantly higher, it's still going to buy in the real world terms, a lot of security or be Mm -hmm. able to pay for a lot of electricity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think you acknowledge that. I think that's something that is like, seems to be, there's some cognitive dissonance on that fact, which I just don't think is that hard to understand. Yeah, I th- I think a lot of Ethereans like try are speaking with their bags when they shit shit on proof of work. Like a lot of them like think that like it's going to destroy the environment and destroy the world. And like, sure, maybe we can make a Bitcoin that doesn't consume a bunch of energy, but it's also not that big of a problem. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I I think the big criticism that I'll put for proof of work, the Bitcoin proof of work model, is that like it it works really well if number goes up. Maybe, maybe it will work okay if number is flat. Maybe it, maybe it won't, but I'm going to bet that it, that it will still work if number is flat. If number goes down and number goes down for a long time, that won't work. That's not going to work. Like if, if number starts, starts retracing, because Bitcoin is a Ponzi game, 
It's a Ponzi game. It requires new money to en- for it to enter, for it to work. And, it, and then if, once it has all the money, then it needs to hold on to that money. If it can't hold on to that money and the thing starts to deflate, like, like Ponzi games do, they, they go up and then they come down. If that thing starts to come down too much, I think there will be a lot of miners who, can, who see a lot of value in playing games with reorging the chain more than they do being fair and honest. And so like, I think if number go down happens too much, then that's bad. Yeah. I mean, I I would say we can start transitioning too, but um, I would, I would tend to agree. Like part of Bitcoin's value prop is consistent number go up. Right. Like that is part of the thesis. If, if there's not even like people say, I don't care about price because I believe that number will consistently go up. So therefore I don't have to, that's why they don't care about price. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a world where number consistently goes down, like that kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. I would push back and say that again, the difficulty adjustment goes both ways, but mm-hmm. obviously if there is a lot of hash rate that once existed and was participating and now is not, and there's an incentive to ARB ha- you know, attack with the hash rate, then you know most likely that will happen. Um, at least when it comes to ETC, it doesn't actually affect the price negatively, which is uh, interesting. But yeah, I mean, these this is all just speculation, right? Yeah, but it's important. I'm going to share my screen real quick because I'm going to share the. Okay. Um, is, are you, I hope are it you doesn't fuck. Uh, hold up, uh, give me one second. I need. I may okay. need a little bit of work on this. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, just you just share your screen. Share it and okay. hold on. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. <laughs> okay. Uh, log scale. Okay. Share screen. Oh, you have to enable it for me. Sorry. God damn it. We're fucking up this stream, bro. Sorry. I, did, I came in hot with the sharing screen function. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So here is the ample fourth chart, right? And ample fourth. Uh-huh. Oh, I see it now. Okay, it actually mm-hmm. doesn't look bad. Yeah, we look okay, good. Okay, cool. We're looking good. Okay. All right, so here's the Ampleforth chart, right? And like Ampleforth is a Ponzi game. It's it's a non-dilutive currency. It's it's extremely comparable to Bitcoin in the, its value proposition of just being a non-dilutive currency, right? Except the only difference about Ampleforth uh-huh. is that the price the the price stays the same but the supply fluctuates. And so if number goes up, it's not the price that's going up, it's the supply that you own. It's, it's, it's Bitcoin, but reversed. And there's plenty of more conversations about how like it's not similar to Bitcoin at all, but that's not the point. And so like- uh, I mean, it, I would say it's not at all, but continue. Okay, so like the fact that it's not at all is, is probably the differentiation that we're going to go get into, right? And so like Ampleforth at the end of June was an $8 million market cap and then in the end of July, it was a $600 million market cap, which is in, in fucking sane, in fucking sane. That's almost a 100x growth in one month. That's insane. Uh, and, and then it looks like it, dude, this looks like, an, like the, the overall crypto market cap chart of 2016 to 2019. And the thing is like, now, now it's back down to $100, market, $100 million market cap and it continues to deflate like Ampleforth could very well continue to deflate like forever. Like, and then it's broken, right? It'll probably pump and, again. But the, okay, sure. It could probably pump again. But like the thing is in order for it to work, it has to pump again. Like it has, people have to like have faith in the system. And that's probably where Bitcoin and proof of work and Lindy has like such an edge over anything else is because like of, of, and, and this is where you were talking about to one of our friends this weekend where like, there, there needs to actually be fundamentals that show people's skin in the game. And so like people's, the miners, I'm going to stop sharing my screen, the miners um, around the world that are providing the hash rate and then the businesses that support Bitcoin, like uh, the, the River Financial or, or, um, or Unchained Capital, like all that infrastructure is the incentive for like the Bitcoin Ponzi game to reinflate once again, if it ever does deflate, right? Um, and so like, that's a big difference with Ampleforth. It's like, I totally think that Ampleforth could just bleed out for the rest of time. Like maybe, maybe that happens. And if that does start to happen for Bitcoin, well, obviously number go down is bad, but also that's when like, that's when the proof of work and stability happens. Yeah. I mean, again, I think there's a lot of speculation and, and 
you know, Bitcoin has reached a level where it potentially could have, you know, reached escape velocity. And I think all of these things get to a point where they just, you know, reach a point where they just matter a lot. Um, and it, it's hard to get away from that. Uh, I recently interviewed Jeff Snyder, which is the interviews coming out tomorrow, Wednesday on Bitcoin magazine. Um, and he's talking about, he's like one of the leading thought leaders when it comes to, uh, what, how the dollar system actually works. Like that's what he studies. And his take is like the federal reserve, the dollar system in the U S like that's only a part of the dollar system. That's not part of the whole thing. And like, I'm sure a lot of you listeners have heard the idea of a Euro dollar, but these are like shadow dollars and countries around the world, like are trying really hard to get off the dollar system, Europe, China, uh, Russia, all of these countries are trying to get off the dollar system and they're failing. Like they can't do it. Um, and it's because the dollar system has like this perpetuating network effect. Uh, so again, like when you get to this point where the network effect is so strong, it's, it's hard to get away from it. And honestly, like as a Bitcoiner, that's probably the most like bullish thing about Ethereum. Like I don't care about anything else other than the fact that there seems to be extremely strong network effects around those standards and token standards and issuing stuff. So like, I don't know like as much about the fundamentals, but that's the most important fundamental as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. Agreed. Speaking of the dollar world, should we start talking about the stock market real quick? <laughs> We've been going for so long already. I feel like we just skip it. Stocks only go up. There okay. You go. <laughs> Here's the one thing I have to say about the fact that stocks only go up. Okay. So, so listeners, we're transitioning. We're now talking about the, how the stock market has only gone up. Like free, quote unquote, free market, like laughing my ass off. Free market, my ass. How does something only go up? Like the answer is it's not a free market. Is that a fair take? We already knew that. It's not. It's not. It's All right, moving on. Yeah. Hey, All right. Fed is buying ETFs. It's not a free market. <laughs> when does the Fed start to buy Bitcoin one day? I don't know. It's is it's it, going to take a lot. A of, it's going to take a lot of uh, ringing for that hap- for that to happen. <laughs> like that's a, I feel like that, that, that's essentially that a white is, flag. Yeah, that is how you end the dollar system is by like popping that bubble. Um, Okay, uh, yep. moving on to DeFi tokens. Uh, talking about YFI, ready to talk about YFI? So I've never seen David so bullish on anything in my life, which other than Ether. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's about right. Okay. He was so like, like, sell everything and buy YFI. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my, my portfolio is like one part Ether, one part Wi-Fi. Uh, excuse me, Yiffy. No, not even Yiffy. Uh, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Waifu or or Wi-Fi. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that, those are the three approved. Uh, so I'm going to call it Yiffy just to fuck with people. <laughs> I've been calling it Yiffy on, on the bankless pods and people have been shitting at me, on me for it. Um, yeah, shit on okay. me, Ted's. So, and like the, the Ethereum people are like the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi token, the, Yiffy, the, the Waifu token, Bitcoiners should love this thing, right? Because it had a completely fair launch. Uh, Andre, the the guy, the guy that made it, didn't take any. No VCs invested anything. The only way you got the Wi-Fi token is to supply capital to different protocols, and that's what we're doing—the whole liquidity mining thing. And so, like, instead of mining with your computers, you mine with your capital. And also, what are computers, especially in this day and age, other than just like capital that's been deployed in a one in in a omnidirectional way um and so like it's different because like you can sell, sell that liquidity sell that capital and so you're not locked in but like it's a way to distribute the tokens right and so there's also a hard cap which bitcoiners love hard caps and there's also real fundamentals right and so the wifey token has no no one's going to dump on you because there's no vcs founders reward like no one didn't everyone who has these either worked for them or purchased them on the secondary market right and so like no one is a seller, like people are, there are speculators that are trading and, and selling at, at times, but no one is like a net seller. And so like when it current comes to like number go up, like no one, no one is in your way for, to, for number to not go up anymore. And then at the same time, it is going to be the first DeFi token on Ethereum that actually issues the dividend to its owners, right? A cash flowing asset. Uh, and so I'm bullish. Is that the pitch? That's the pitch. 
So tell me why everything else is shit compared to it. Uh, well, so like all the other DeFi tokens, which I mean are still, I think, great investments like Aave, Lend. Um, uh, we're we're going to talk about them. Yeah, synthetics. Uh, those all at one point in time had uh, VCs and they still do. Except also the, the reason why synthetics and Lend have also led the, the DeFi market is because those were issued a whole entire cycle ago. And so like VCs have dumped, like prob- probably, I, I don't know this, but I'm assuming there's way more time for VCs to have dumped to, to have gotten out. And so the distribution on these things are way better. And at the same time, they've generated an insane community that all survived through the bear market, right? Like you have the SNX Spartans and like the Ave, I don't think they have a, have a logo. Um, but like they have a community that, that banded together and are Get now together, like, land boys. Yeah. They, they are. Yeah. The, the, the Ave agriculturalists is, is what we can call them. Um, that's a terrible logo. Farm uh, motherfuckers. <laughs> And so like these communities have gone through the worst of the worst together. They went like the people that stuck around while the 2017 turned into 2019 and the tokens went from everything to nothing. The community was still there and they paid attention to the team and they, they contributed and they informed and they advised the team and they worked with the team. And then they come out of, of, of 2019 into 2020 with a real working product that's iterated and developed and hasn't gone away with a committed team that now has this like super robust community and, and the VCs are gone and just, and just the community is left. And now the product is working. And so then therefore the tokens moves. And so like, that's why I'm still kind of bearish on these VC DeFi tokens like Comp, like Metastable, like, um, uh, I don't know. And so, and so like, and so uh, synthetics and Aave are these like, the, the VCs are kind of just like forgotten. They're relegated to history. And so that's why these tokens have pumped so much more. And that's why I think Wifey will continue to pump because there is no VC interest and also the community that is generated in the past like six weeks of its existence is insane. Like the community has completely taken over the project, right? Uh, Andre doesn't even, Andre has like two tokens, I think, two Wifey tokens. I have more Wifey tokens than Andre. Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, like it's just it's now a community-run thing without without any. And there are VCs that have purchased, but they've purchased like everyone else, right? And so it seems to fit the narrative and the the model for like it fits the 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 requirement for like a DeFi token that has that can pump, right? Using the model of synthetics and Ave before it and lesser so than compound and metastable which seem to be kind of bleeding although that might turn around anyways that's my thesis so what could end uh what could end wifey's pumping right because okay it has a hard cap but obviously it's too early to to really tell like what that really is going to mean like there's not a whole lot of like history behind that hard cap there was not that I mean, even the the project itself, which is older than the token, doesn't have that much history. Um, so like what 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 could be a reason like what could take down Wifey in terms of a protocol? Yeah, so there are still like multi-sig signers in order in order to be like nimble and quick, there are still like multi-sig signers that have control over the protocol. Uh as how I there's like I there's so it's, seven or eight. It's not decentralized from a fund funds perspective uh yes not well from a from a code perspective uh and so i think you like a couple of the multi-sig signers could be compromised and that might then whoever compromised that might be able to like mess with the system and break the system uh that would be like catastrophic that'd be like worst case scenario is there a plan Uh, to get off the multi-sig uh not that i know of but i haven't been paying attention because i'm a bad governor um, what, what kind uh, of multi-sig is it? Because Ethereum's had some bad history with multi-sigs. It's probably the, the Gnosis multi-sig, which has a very long and strong history. And of, of all assets being deposited into contracts, Gnosis has the best history, the most value deposited for the longest amount of time. Like ever okay. since like 2016, 2017. Um, you and, know better Yeah, yeah. No, the, the Gnosis multi-sig is, is legit. Um, uh, and so like the, the, the fact that there are centralized signers that like, not, we're, we're trusting them and like, 
there, there's a vote to make like Mariano Conti one of the signers, which I'm totally voting for because I, I, I like that guy and he makes sense and he's a good coder and I trust him. But also you're not just trusting them, you're trusting their like OPSEC, right? Because it's like, I'm, I'm Mariano's a good guy. He doesn't need, he doesn't like, everyone knows him. He's public. He's not going to hack the system, but like we are trusting his OPSEC at the same time. Like, so, you know, I trust Mariano. Do I trust his OPSEC? I don't know. I don't know his OPSEC. So that's there and that could end the system. So that's bad. Um, but uh, I would what, what do you that, Do you know the parameters around the multi-sig? I don't. Well, I think, I think each one is different. Uh, each signer. Um, yeah, I don't, but I don't know. Mm. Would definitely want to learn more about that. Yeah. The, there is a resource for this and it's called uh, yearn.finance, I think. Yearn, yep, yearn.finance. Uh, and so it's just a place of for, for forums. Uh, for Nope, that is the actual product. Yearn uh, finance governance. gov.yearn.finance. And that's like where the, like the, the governance forums and portals are. And that's where, you, that's where, um, uh, that's where you can find out all of like who these signers are and what their, what their shit's like. And then, and then the other big risk is like contract risk. And so what Yearn is, is that it deploys and migrates capital around Ethereum uh, to best receive yield. And so if Compound has a bug in it and the Yearn funds are deposited into Compound, well, that's bad. And if the Compound bug gets exploited during the time that Yearn has its capital in Compound, that's bad. Uh, and so there's definitely a lot of composability risk. So a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of uh, trust in other protocols to not blow up, right? And so that's part of the responsibility of the the wifey token holders to integrate a protocol. In the same way, like it's the responsibility of MakerDAO to integrate collateral that won't blow up. It's the responsibility of uh, Yearn to integrate protocols that won't blow up with assets that also won't blow up. So like it is like maximum composability risk. It's got like all of it. So there's a lot of risks here. Like, again, this is like, when you say Bitcoiners are going to love it, like you can't just pick up <laughs> one thing and say like, this is why Bitcoiners are love it. Cause you just rattled off a lot of reasons why yeah, like I have to do a lot more fucking research before like I put money into this thing, you know? Sure. Okay. They'll, they'll love the upside. They'll hate the downside. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> but you do bring good points. Like in the grand scheme of DeFi tokens, like uh, that make, it, it does make sense how it is more like something that doesn't have the dynamics of, you know, large mm-hmm. pre-mined bag holders um, right. and more of the dynamic of people that have skin in the game, which right. is healthy. Right. And I think the most interesting thing is like, again, the, the, cause, cause again, Andre has like less, less than two on the bankless pod. He said they has less than two wifey tokens, which means he controls that's less if than he two. Trusts him. Well, I mean, that's auditable. You, you can run the numbers on that one. I mean, but he could have been mining somewhere else too. Like, I mean, he tells a good story, but like there's a level of trust there. Yeah, sure. Well, okay. All right. Well, he has a, a non-majority amount of, of wifey tokens at the very least. Um, and also, like, he's been uh, very loud about how, like, he can't, he can't run this whole protocol by himself. Like, he accidentally built this, like, massive, like, business, right? He accidentally built this massive company. And he needs help. And the community has, like, risen, right? The, the wifey, the, the, yearn, the gov.yearn.finance forums are like the mo- most active governance forums in DeFi, right? And so because there's not VCs, because there's not like a, a team with VC money behind them do with a, like a salaried job, it's everyone is just contributing to this thing because like everyone's in their financial interest to like make sure this thing works, right? And so the, it's the a financially incentivized open source project. Absolutely. And that is so cool. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I want to be a part of it. Cool. Well, I'm not going to shit on it too much. I'm just, you know, trying to make fair, honest, uh, mm-hmm. maybe adversarial thinking comments on, you know, why this token is not Bitcoin. You know, maybe one, one YP token is equivalent to or is greater than a Bitcoin token in terms of USD value right now, but <laughs> it's not the same thing as a Bitcoin. Like, I feel like... I don't know. It's, I think it's price, Bitcoiners... A, a YP is priced higher. Priced higher than Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, like, there's a lot of... There's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with this thing. That's highly speculative. Um, the most speculative. Uh I don't even know what I was going to say, but whatever. Um, It's going to be interesting to see, you know, this is actually something I was going to suggest to you and maybe we can christen it here. 
you guys need to find out what's the equivalent of a yiffy sat because you're going to start rubbing up against uh 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 what's it called just price bias or uh unit bias unit bias uh so you need to you need to come up with uh the smallest denomination of a yiffy and uh start telling people to stack that uh (laughs) in order to make sure they keep things in perspective do you think the price bias actually works in the opposite way sometimes like if you go on the complete other side of the spectrum that like it's so expensive that it's like a luxury good and there's a bias towards that do you think that's the thing i think it goes both ways but the beautiful thing about crypto is that you can capture both right, right you can right. be the most expensive coin and the the poorest motherfucker can afford a fraction of uh whatever token right right i'll submit a proposal to the governance forums as soon as i think of an idea it needs to be clever. And you, I came up with the idea. It's been recorded. So yeah, I'll delegate my voting, voting to you. <laughs> no, just, okay. you know, you just got to give me due credit. That's, that's, all that, that's all that matters. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So I'm going to uh, change subjects. Yeah, um, let's do it. So here's my metaphor for <laughs> pricing prices in the crypto space, right? Like uh, DeFi, yield farming, liquidity mining has pushed the envelope and now like quote unquote the bear market or the bull market has started. Bear market's dead, bull market's on. People are texting me about DeFi, people texting about Ethereum, people are texting about Bitcoin too. Um, but like over the last like two months, it's really been Ethereum like leading the charge, right? Ethereum and DeFi tokens when it comes to a price appreciation has been leading the charge. Uh, and I've been, uh, I've, I've been using this metaphor to like kind of understand like what's going on. And so, uh, I like I like I have a, a racing bike, I have a road bike, and in the road biking world, there's this thing called the peloton, and the peloton is just a bunch of bikers in a in a line biking really fast, really really close to each other, so that they draft off of each other, right? And so uh, when Ether did its run up, it broke like Bitcoin broke 10k because of Ether, because of DeFi, like the, that run up, then the Bitcoin followed, right? And so. The, all this momentum kind of like just also ran into the, the Bitcoin world. And so Bitcoin is drafting on Ether right now uh, and, and has been since like this DeFi mania. And Bitcoin is like- I have this, to wait. I have to stop you because this is absolutely ridiculous. First and on, foremost, on, we me, are literally in a four-year cycle. What is a four-year cycle? Like, let's just try to understand <laughs> that. Like, let, let, let let is, let's just try to understand you you're making your 18 month prediction as you know oh wait it follows the bitcoin having oh wait paul tudor it's jones not, saying bullish shit about bitcoin i'm like, getting to paul tudor jones influence has said anything about ethereum like it just it's absolutely ludicrous to say that ether has led this look it is known that illiquid shit coins pump harder it is known that doesn't mean that they're leading shit they're just illiquid I'm, let me finish my metaphor. You're I just done? had to stop you. You're pissing me off. It's just so stupid. I cannot condone it on my stream without me saying All right. so. <laughs> so we have this Peloton and Bitcoin is like this six, five individual who is like 250 pounds. He's a, he's a big ass biker. You know, there are some big bikers out there. Usually uh, like smaller bikers do better. Uh, but this, this is just, that's actually not even relevant. Clearly, shit coins do better. Big, big ass, big ass biker, and he's drafting behind like this five three, one hundred and forty pound individual who's got a much smaller bike. But that guy's a really good biker, and he's going really fast. And like that's ether, right? And so it's it's ether than Bitcoin, and then all the DeFi tokens behind them, and and like this big big guy is drafting on the little guy, and the little guy's working his ass off. And like what I think is going to happen. Is that like this? We just go through these phases. Like at some point, Ether is going to run out of steam, or Bitcoin is going to slip slip out of the peloton and start chugging his own weight. And then there's everyone is going to be drafting off this this big, massive, like lumbering beast that like has like a big wall of air that is just like pushing forward, so that like Ether and and all the DeFi tokens can like draft in its weight, and it's going to be Bitcoin's turn because like when Bitcoin gains a bunch of momentum and gains a bunch of speed, like you can't really slow that thing down. Right. And so like, I think Bitcoin has been like drafting behind ether in this DeFi mania. And then when it decides to take over, like it's not stopping, like it's just going to keep on going. And okay. very much also with the winds of Paul Tudor Jones and MicroStrategy, like 
how many more like we don't we don't we need we need like one or two more people to like announce that they bought like 0.1% of all the bitcoins to like really turn this into like a game of musical chairs like how many bitcoins are left type of thing and that's what i think is coming and that's going to happen that's the that's this this peloton is the next 18 months of crypto okay well i'm sorry i interrupted you uh the conclusion was a little bit more rational but Ultimately, what happens, and Suzu did say this on the, our last pod with him, was that it's, there's this in and out cycle. So, like, obviously, there's a ton of momentum behind DeFi. When you see freaking, you know, 200% gains in two weeks, like, that gets the animal spirits going. Like, it's retarded to say that that, like, that, that doesn't matter. But on the flip side, it also is foolish to not realize what David is saying is that, like, the 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 big dog that like has the ability to by itself move the market is bitcoin so it's like this it's you know it's the hydra which is built on ethereum and DeFi and bitcoin and it just goes between those things and you know that's how traders make money like that is how the market works um and then when things run up guess how traders make money guess how investors make money they go from one thing they sell to another thing they arbitrage that opportunity and they play the spread and they go between so it makes sense that it works like that. But again, to, to, to say that this entire bull market is only Ethereum and it's just pulling like the lazy, you know, big Bitcoin around, like it's just not true. It's just not that, true. That at all. is true in the last two months of time. Okay, sure. That's, Ever since that's two months. came out. No, it's, yeah, it's I would, like yeah so, sure. It, I would say it, it was having and then everything bouncing off of, uh, or no, it was everything bouncing off of uh the bloody th- or dark was it bloody thursday um and then going into having hype and then after having hype it went straight into DeFi hype it it was there was there, there was having hype there wasn't having price appreciation and so like I mean, you can you can see the release of comp on the on the crypto charts you can see, you can point to the price of ether and say comp was released here Liquidity mining started here. Yield farming started here. You can't. You don't see the yeah, the, the liquid shit coins do a lot from one day versus. No, I'm talking about the ether price. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the actual creation of the concept of DeFi and and or all the DeFi, all the DeFi tokens are are reflected in ether, right? But like ether is not in the liquid shit coin. It's more liquid than Bitcoin, but it's still not in the liquid shit coin. You can yeah, see the create. It's a liquid, but it's creation. not that a liquid. You can see the creation of like this whole mania the day it happened. And you can't see that with the Bitcoin happening. You look at the Bitcoin chart. Because there's no you, day to point to. There is the day that. The hype, the hype of Bitcoin having is. Well, then you just Bitcoin have deniability having. because I can't prove you wrong. Like you don't know how much the, the, the happening is played into this, this. This just reminds me of like the Wall Street Journal saying like today Bitcoin went down because of China. Like tomorrow Bitcoin went up because Coinbase raised money. It's like. No, it didn't. Like, there's these are complex systems, and like, there are very macro things happening. And the only way that you can really explain price appreciation is on the long scale because mm-hmm. of fundamental things. Like, day to day shit just doesn't matter. So, yeah, I agree that the invention of liquidity mining was extremely fundamental. Yes, that makes sense. Bitcoin mining or the Bitcoin having is also extremely fundamental, but we know that that cycle, it's not like a one day occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, obviously the block is a one day occurrence, but that impact on the market takes time to shake out. I, I think it's totally reasonable. And actually I think the onus is on whoever doesn't think this, that like in a world where liquidity mining and, and yield farming didn't exist and compound didn't come out with this thing in, in that world, the ether price is still at like $230 and the Bitcoin price is still at 800, 8,500, like that's what that's what I'm saying, and like the and the having is nowhere to be found. All right, well, I I just think that that's wrong because the having is the most fundamental thing of this entire market. Yeah, but like you can look at if this then if this then that, and we saw like if DeFi tokens then Bitcoin crosses 10k. Like that's what that's that's the Occam's razor explanation. All right, well, I I don't buy that at all. I I really <laughs> do think that this entire market is is like is Bitcoin's heartbeat, and then just extra fireworks on top okay so that's my take all right let's sign off this is a long enough show we hit a lot of topics uh the once a day i think the once a week format it's working for me for right now i like this yeah two more weeks two more weeks of this and then i gotta get my shit together (laughs) 
Well, no, then then I will have my shit together. <laughs> All right. Well, hey Anyways, guys, you, that, that's yeah. a, that, that's some unspoken um, uh, inside information, which will you guys will find out in about two weeks. All right, shall we close out? Yeah. Any last words? Nope. You guys can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. Christian? You can find me at CK underscore Snarks and at Bitcoin Magazine. You guys, five-star reviews. The more reviews we get, the higher the prices go. It's just a fact. We really, really work hard on this, even when we only do one a week. And uh, we just try to put on a good show, and we want to keep spreading Bitcoin and crypto knowledge. So... Share POV crypto, give us those five star reviews, all that good stuff. <laughs>